Good morning and welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you have your Bibles, open with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. And to me, this is one of the, the most important messages that, that I'll ever give is when we're looking at God's Word. And I've titled it the, the Soldier's Canon. We've been looking again that it's the soldier. Timothy in 2 Timothy likens everything to a soldier. You and I are in God's army. And we need this canon. We need this Word of God to show us how we're to live and how we fight and know that we're safe and secure and we're overcomers in Christ. Well, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do today and thank you for your Word that is timeless. Lord, it is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It encourages us. It exhorts us. Lord, uh, we're able to stand by it and walk forward because of it. So, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul now begins a new focus. He focuses on the canon of Scripture. Now, no soldier ever is equipped for battle until he becomes really familiar with the, really his manual. And the manual for us, as I mentioned, it's the very Word of God. It's the Christian manual. In fact, the Bible is the final authority in all matters of, of faith and practice in this life. And to enter into a Bible, uh, being grounded in the Word of God is really important. If we're not grounded, we will be defeated. See, when we understand the Word of God, we understand the manual and the canon, we understand we are overcomers and we move forward in faith. We know that God, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? In fact, look with me in, in verse 15. It says that from a childhood, you have known the sacred writings that are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What we see here is the power of the inspired word of God. See, salvation is seems to be the single most important possession of every believer. This is why Jesus said in Matthew sixteen twenty six, For what will a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, it's, it's very important that we put our hands to the plow and not turn back. This is what the scripture shows us. It tells us, again, what's right, what's wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. And it's from the earliest days that Timothy's mother, Eunice, had faithfully taught him the word of God. It was a common thing among the, the Jewish people. You can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and focus upon that. But anyways, a common practice of the Jewish people to use the scriptures to teach their kids to read and to write. The word of God used to be in this country the, the main textbook that was used for people learning to read and write, and it's so important. And it was in every child's education. And look at the world today when it's been taken away. Even Christians sometimes do not take the word of God seriously to teach their own kids when they're young. They push it off on the church when they go to church. That only is a, a jump start. Only that's something to add to. But every parent has the responsibility to teach the Word of God. All knowledge is dependent upon God. If education is going to be a, of any eternal value, it must come from the source of all true knowledge and wisdom that is in God. 
Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk to them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them on a sign on your hand. They shall be on the frontals of your forehead, and you shall write them on your doorpost of your house and upon your gates. See, the, the watchword of Israel's faith is this uniqueness of God. God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God the Lord is one. This is a prayer. It's Shema. It's more than just really a prayer. It's referring to praying and the confession of faith and creed of who God is. And that's something that, that oftentimes in the church today, people believe what the pastor believes, but they can't tell you what they believe. Where have we gone? We, we backslid. And this is, this is what apostasy is all about. The, the church once knew they once knew what they believed and why they believed, and they could share with people. But today, very few people share their faith. They don't know what to share. They don't know where to go. And that's why it's so important. It's not a matter of just collecting knowledge. It's a matter of speaking the word of truth, opening the Bible. Let me show you what the word of God says. Noah Webster defines education as this, bringing up as a child instruction in formation of manners. Education comprehends all the series of instruction and discipline which is intended to light, enlighten the understanding and correct the temper. And from the manners and the habits of youth and fit them for usefulness in future situations. To give the children a good education in matters and arts and science and important to give them a religious education is indispensable. And an immense responsibility rests upon the parents and the guardians who neglect these duties. Now, this is from Noah Webster, 1913. If you would read Webster today, you see how the culture has changed how they view the Word of God today. See, there was no greater need in America for Christian parents to get back to than rearing their own children. But they have the responsibility to teach the very Word of God. And Jesus Christ in the Word is to be the center of all education. It's very important that we get back to these basic principles without the Bible. We might be able to teach a person how to, to make a living, but without the Word of God, we'll never teach him how to live in this life. To build up the body of Christ, to be a witness to be a, a community of peace, function together, morally right things occurring in this community. If it was taught again, we would have godly po politicians raised up, godly policemen, godly teachers. But at this point, it's the inspired, inerrant word of God. That's what the people need. It is God's word to you and to me. And we have to begin to start sharing God's word again. Now, Colossians 2 says this, True knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So all the wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. We need to, to bring our kids, our families, our grandkids to Jesus Christ, to the very word of God is how it happens. Notice again in verse 16, it says, The person, the person who is the 
of the inspired word of God. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God has given his word to you and to me, the God of the universe, the one who spoke all things into existence, has spoken to you, and he's given you his timeless word that is applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago. The problems for man today are the same problems they were 2,000 years ago. They may be magnified. They may have a, a deeper darkness in their lives, but it's because they've walked away from the very word of God. When we're talking about the Word of God, we're talking about 66 books of the Bible penned by approximately 40 different men from all walks of life. And yet there's one continuous message, and that message is the same message you and I need to hear today. Well, the range came from a king to the throne of a king to a fisherman in his boat, to a shepherd in the field watching over sheep, to a physician who walked with Jesus and many others. From the time of Moses wrote the Pentateuch in 1500 B.C. until John was given the book of Revelation in 94 A.D. It's approximately 1600 years. A distance about 1500 miles apart. All the people were separated. And 40 different authors with one message that's in perfect harmony. And there is nothing, nothing that is untrue about the word of God. You know, even the Bible records lies, but it's true. And he shows that man is a liar. And he even shows that the devil is a liar from the beginning. And it's so important that, it, that we know this word of God. So when we say that all scripture is given by inspiration, you, you say, how can that be? The answer is simple. God himself is the author always written by man. God used the personality of men to write, but it is his word. The Bible is what we call God-breathed. In fact, let me read 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy is ever made by a human act, but of human will. But the men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The inspiration of scriptures does not erase the, the writer's personality and character, and they certainly were characters if you stop and think about it. In fact, there's a few characters in here today. I didn't get saved till I was 45 years old. I was a man of the world. But when God came into my life, my life changed. When I began to, to read the Word of God, and I struggled, my reading was poor at that time. And I struggled, and I listened to the Word of God, but God began to speak. And, and I prayed, God, you said, a person should have a sincere desire for the milk of the Word. And I didn't because I struggled. But I cried out, God, give me that assurance that I know I'm saying, speak to me through your Word. And I began to hear God speak through His Word. Have you ever heard God speak to you through His Word? the living, active word, sharper than a two-edged sword? If you haven't, oh, not audibly, I'm not talking about, but impress something on your heart so much. If you haven't had that experience that God has just spoken off the pages of the Scripture, get down on your knees and pray. and Say, God, I want to hear you. I want to walk with you. I want to be obedient to you. It is God's will. 
that he wants you to hear his word, that you would be conformed to that image and likeness of Jesus. See, the inspiration of Scripture doesn't erase again, as I mentioned, the personalities, but it retained the personalities. And God used ordinary people just like you and me. Now, apart from the inspiration, God, such a book of the Bible would be impossible. The Bible itself establishes that. It's a perfect book, and God guarantees it and backs it up with his name. When we talk about the name of God, we're talking about the character of God. You know, when you and I pray and we say, in Jesus' name, what are we praying? Oh, I, I'm praying, I want a new van. I want No, no, it's, it's not about that. When we're praying and we're using the name of Jesus, we're praying and we're saying we're praying in the nature and character of God. God has promised he'll give you anything that's according to his will, according to his word. If you want to walk with Christ in that intimate walk, all you have to do is, is pray that with a sincere heart and, and say, Lord, I believe that you're going to do this. And he begins that process and changing and transforming you. And that's what the word of God does. In fact, look with me in verse 16. We see that the prophet of this inspired word of God, all scriptures inspired by God, is also profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and the training of righteousness. So God says it's profitable if you read this word of God. You take it and you hide it in your heart. There's nothing more important in this world than reading the Word of God and knowing God. This book is about God. If I would give you an outline of the Bible, it begins this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You find that in chapter 1. Chapter 3, you see the sin and the fall of man. And the rest of the book is about God wanting to redeem man, draw man back to himself. And a man is born by the Word of God. A man, when he obeys the word of God, shows that he has this evidence of salvation in his life. Well, again, if it's profitable for teaching, the first thing Paul mentions is teaching. Teaching is important. What do we need to hear? We need to hear the word of God. Now, that word teaching means doctrine. In the context, at this time, the New Testament was not even written completely but it spoke of the whole counsel of God's word. So it refers to the, the body of teaching of, of Jesus and the apostles that's handed down by the Christians, including that Old Testament. So the Bible is God's word to man. It tells us about who Jesus is. It reveals the very character and nature of God. It reveals what's important to him, what his will is for our lives. It tells us our future, where we're going to go. We have that assurance when we read the Bible that we know that one day he's going to come for us and take us home to be with him, and we will be with him where he is. The Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. If we're going to be right in our doctrine, we must know the Bible. The Bible doctrine is the the foundation for godly living. And the question always boils down, do you want to live as Christ lived? And sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm going to wait till I'm a little older. Not right now. There's still things I want to do. And scripture is very clear that sometimes people like darkness more than light, even in the body of Christ. They're not ready to give in this area 
at this time or that area at this time. But God's Word, as you read God's Word, as you dwell on God's Word, it begins washing you and training you and making you a new person. Maybe you have anger problems today. And you get in the Word and you hide this Word in your heart. God will set you free from this anger. Maybe it's immoral thoughts and lust. God can take it away. You're washed and cleansed by the water of the Word. Maybe you have a bad marriage. God will come into your life. And when you let him be the center of the life, as the Bible teaches, you will have a good, godly marriage and a happy one at that. But just as you have a happy marriage, your kids need to know this word of God. See, knowing the Bible and doing God's will, they're inseparably connected. You cannot do God's will. You cannot pray God's will apart from knowing what God's will is in his word. Let me show you in John seven seventeen. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is God or whether I speak of myself. No Christian will ever be fruitful unless he's grounded in the sound biblical doctrine of the Bible. You cannot glorify God without knowing what is pleasing and honoring to him. Well, the, the word is profitable in its criticism. Well, what do you mean it, it, the Bible's profitable for reproof? The Bible tells us what's wrong with us. I don't need to, to tell you what's wrong. When you simply we're going through the scripture, as we go verse by verse, we're going through the scripture, God is going to speak to you if you have ears to hear. And we certainly all have ears here today. But the question is, do you want to hear the word of God? See, if you don't, then Romans chapter 1 talks about that we can suppress that word of God. See, we're not getting to heaven by coming to church. No, that doesn't get us brownie points or giving in the offering. That doesn't get us to heaven. It's having a relationship, being born again, allowing God to live in our hearts. Notice again, Paul spoke of the Bible in, in Ephesians six seventeen, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It cuts, it wields in our life like a mighty sword, a mighty Again, soldier going and cutting away those things in our heart that need to be changed, cutting those things out of our life. And sometimes he almost has to tear it out of our lives because we're not willing to let it go yet. Notice with me Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and tensions of the heart. I'm glad you don't know the thoughts in my heart. And I'm glad I don't know the thoughts in your heart. But God knows them. And he's watching. And he's wanting to change you and me. And that's what he does as we get in this world. He washes us. He cleanses us. He gives us a new desire. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. For it's God who's at work in you. To will and do his purpose. But it's God who puts that desire in our heart. That desire comes as we're reading the word, as we're spending time with him in prayer and meditate on what does God want me to know in this? How does this apply to my life? It's learning to rightly divide that word of truth, not take things out of context, but learn to listen to God and God himself. The word's profitable for correction. That's what it says. And the next thing is correction. All scripture, and that means every scripture, by the way, is inspired by God, is profitable, and for reproof and correction. 
rebuking points of sin, confronting the disobedience in a person's life, correcting recognizes the person has strayed from the truth. I think of the church in Ephesus. They left their first love relationship. Oh, they had all their doctrine right there. They were doing everything. But the most important thing for you and me is having a relationship with a living Savior. That when we're reading, we're reading with the intent to hear God speak to our hearts about where we're at in this life and where He wants to, to take us in this life, what He would have us do. And it's there that we find that peace that passeth all understanding when we look to what He has done and what He's still wanting to do in our lives. Because the Bible is God's Word, because it reveals the truth, it's to exercise authority over everything in our life. Again, it, it points out those things that need to change in our life. And graciously and lovingly and tenderly, yet firmly, He will guide us in all truth. When you know that truth, the, the truth will set you free. The Holy Spirit is likened to the Spirit of truth. He will reveal all things to you. And even as I teach, it's, it's not me that's teaching you. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. It's the Holy Spirit will speak to you right where you're at, what you need to hear today, tomorrow. And that's so important. The Word is profitable in its command. The Bible's profitable. Notice it says for instruction in righteousness. Do you remember back in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and he will add all things. If you're worrying and fretting about what's going on outside these doors, you're missing what God has for you today. And that's so important. This word instructs you and me in righteousness, what's right, pleasing, and honoring to God. The Bible gets us straight. And that's so important because I've tried my whole life to get straight on my own, tried to get this right and that, and I can't. I need the Spirit of God who brings the Word of God, washes my mind, gives me new desires, and the Spirit leads and guides me. And day in and day out, we're confronted with temptation. And yet, as I mentioned, that Holy Spirit leads us in all truth and sets us free. He protects us. He shows us to turn this way, turn that way. He reminds us of the Scripture. He brings us to our mind. Yet, while God may allow something in your life and my life to bring out the best in you and me, Satan is trying to bring out the worst in you. The very worst. Notice with me in 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Even before you and I leave this place today, we will sin. We might have a thought about somebody judging somebody, looking at somebody a funny way, or maybe they said something and they misunderstood something, and we begin judging. Or somebody comes in and says, well, I don't know about that person. I don't know. Something's wrong with that person. The, the problem is me. The problem is you. We need to look through the eyes of Jesus Christ Merciful, graciously, lovingly. We're not to judge others. In the matter that you and I judge others, we will be judging that cynical, critical, fault-finding. 
you'll leave this place today. And maybe somebody stops quick and you had to hit your brakes and everything flies around you and all of a sudden words come out of your mouth that hadn't come in a long time. You sinned. Maybe it's with your wife, maybe with your husband. You've overreacted to something. You refuse to listen or refuse to come to the plate and work through things. You've sinned. But God is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness when you confess your sins. He's faithful and just. This is the word of God. This is what you and I need to hear. This is what teaches us. And, and you know, when you sin, you, you know there's something wrong in your heart. And, and Satan begins to say, how, how could you call yourself a Christian and you act like that? And God, all he wants to do is to, to have you say, I'm sorry. I said what I shouldn't have said. Because it's our sin that separates us from, from him. That iniquity the scripture describes in the Psalms. God wants to have that relationship. He wants to reach out and touch you and encourage you and, and build you up. He wants to set you free from this sin and bondage. And one day when we're taken out of this place, to be absent the bodies, to be present with the Lord, we'll be in his presence and there'll never be a hurtful, sinful thing that ever comes from your mouth. Never will enter your mind. I long for that place. And I believe most of you long to be in a world where there is no sin. Well, again, the Bible's source of instruction for righteousness. And we're thankful that, again, if we do sin, the Bible teaches us in 1 John that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He died upon the cross for you and for me and, and for our sins. Not only did he die upon the sins, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he comes in our life through his spirit and sets us free from that. And he begins that transformation in our life. It's powerful. Again, in 2 Timothy 3.17, we see something, the product of the inspired word of God, so the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Every one of us here, God is prepared for every believer here, Good works before the foundation of the world. You are born for such a time as this, as things are, seem to be out of control, out of whack in this world. People are hurting and starving. And yet you are born in this time. Good works have been prepared, and our part is to simply get in the Word and allow God to work in our hearts and, and just cleanse us and wash us and be led by His Spirit and not by our own desires. The Word of God begins to permeate our lives and become fruitful, productive for Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 17. So the man of God will be adequate, or established is another word. It, it, it does not mean sinless perfection. No, no. None of us in this side of eternity will ever be sinless. Yet there are many think they can reach that place in this world, but it means complete and mature. God wants us all to be mature. Maybe if you're older, you remember that cartoon that had baby Huey in it, this giant duck. And sometimes Christians can be like that. They're, they've been a Christian for 30 years, and yet they're still babies, and they don't know the Word of God. Maybe that's you. And God's wanting to say, look, I can come into your life. Just surrender your life, your all, today to me, and I'll change it. I'll give you this desire for the Word of God that will, that will give you 
and help you understand what's right and what's wrong and how to get right and even how to stay right in your life. He's calling for you. He's calling for me today. So it speaks of this complete and this mature person. Look at Colossians with me, chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing in gratitude. See, a Christian is a lifestyle. It's not just a title. Originally, they were called Christians first in Antioch because they walked and lived as Christ. We cannot really take that title correctly unless we're living and walking as Christ did. And that's the question. How do we live our life? God wants his children to grow, to mature, to spiritually mature. And this is only accomplished through studying the word of God. In fact, in verse 17, it says, so the man of God will be adequate and equipped for every good work. It's going to happen as you read and study this word, as you continue in the fellowship of the saints. Then you will be equipped. You will be ready when you go out in this world and the Holy Spirit will bring the scripture back to you just as you need to know it. He'll put it in your mouth. Again, it's so important to understand this phrase is finished to be fully equipped for every job. Wherever God calls you and sends you to, you are the best for that job because God has equipped you and prepared you for that particular job. Like a carpenter needs certain tools in, in his belt to build a house, or the mechanic needs tools to repair a car. The Christian must have the right tools to be equipped to serve Christ and for Christ's glory. The scripture provides all that we need to know in order to be complete and capable, competent in all the service that you and I do for the king. Without a thorough knowledge of the scripture, understanding the whole counsel of God's word, it doesn't mean you're going to understand every part, but you'll understand the very heart of God. You just can't do the work of the Lord without knowing the word of God. Again, in verse 17, we see it, it's effective so that every man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. When we're thoroughly furnished with the, the scriptures, we'll be effective for service. People say, well, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. God's calling is God's enabling because he's given you the word of God. He will surround you with people. He will surround you with resources for whatever he's calling you to do. You just need to believe and step to the plate. I've seen so many people through the years that are equipped with the word of God, but they'll never share it. They'll never talk about it. It's like they're encyclopedias, but nothing's ever happened in their heart. See, this is another mark of a Christian. Love is a mark of a Christian, but one that gets out and serves God, allows God's word to work in them and then work through them. You have the words of life. I have the words of life. We need to bring it to a world that doesn't know who he is. And it's so important. The Bible says that we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God's purpose in saving us goes beyond just rescuing us from hell. No, God saved us that we might serve him and live for him. Because he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And we're his instruments to bring this message of what God has already done. 
A person's justified by grace. We're made heirs according again to eternal life. I like what Titus 3, 7, and 8 says, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, he goes on, these things will thou firmly, constantly, and that they have believed in God might be careful to maintain these good works. These things are good and they're profitable unto men. That is the man and woman of God. Sadly, though, too, too many church members are living below the God-given potential. I, I, I can't. There's no place in service, anything that I can do in the local church. They shrivel up and pull away. Sometimes when asked would they be a part of something, they don't come back to church. It's like trying to pull teeth to get people to serve. And, and that's what a, a pastor's called to do, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're to send them out on the great commission. So as a pastor equips the saints, they're to do the work of the ministry. Each one of us are part of the body of Christ. Each one of you are very unique and very important. And together we're one ohana, working together for the glory of God. What you and I need is the living word, living in me, living in you. Realize the power of God is living in you. He'll purify you, cleanse you. You are a new creation. He will make you clean. And he's wanting to use you that you might know the joy of being used by the King. Father, thank you for your word. It's precious. It's timeless. Like a newborn babe that is hungry for milk. We, we desire to have a greater hunger for your word. We desire to have a greater hunger and thirst for your righteousness. God, we want to live our lives for you. We know that we've been created for this purpose, to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.